Hi, and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader both personally and professionally. I'm Doug Miller, a master coach and DaVita University faculty member. And I'm Grace Berman, a senior director with DaVita University. Today, we get to chat about one of our top 12 uh, DaVita leadership tips about managing capacity. Don't let great stand in the way of good enough. We're here with Briah Carey, a division vice president for DaVita's integrated kidney care business, working with health plans and health systems across the U.S. Welcome, Briah. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, Briah, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad that you're finally with us on the podcast because I keep remembering it was pre-COVID when I first saw you in the office and invited you to be a guest. So it feels like ages ago in that pre-COVID space. And we finally found a perfect topic for you. And um, I want to talk about the phrase and I want to understand what it means to you of don't let great stand in the way of good enough. What does that phrase mean to you? Yeah, well, first, Grace, thanks so much for extending the invite to join you all. I am so pleased to be here. I'm a big fan of both you and Doug and the podcast series you both lead. So thanks so much for having me. Aww. So not letting great stand in the way of good enough means a lot to me. And in fact, it probably has relevance to most of your audience as well who are familiar with a similar phrase, which is perfect is the enemy of good. And Voltaire is actually attributed to the phrase from 1770. And in fact, Aristotle and Confucius talked about it. So it's not some issue um, born out of technology or modern times. It's something as humans we've been struggling with to find the right balance for a long time. Mm. And for me, the phrase is meaningful because it is a reflection of what I'm prioritizing and how I choose to spend my time. Uh, I had to go on this journey to find the right balance of what good enough actually means. I am a perfectionist by nature. I've struggled to give myself room to fail and I can get too detailed or spend too much time on sometimes the unimportant stuff. So it's being mindful of what is really important and what I can let go. It is a struggle. I'm not perfect at trying to be imperfect or good enough. I'm a recovering (laughs) perfectionist. And so I have to work at it. That's awesome, Brian. Uh, Always awesome to hear these ancient philosophers being brought up and anchoring on these things that we struggle with as human beings. uh, It seems like forever, right? And and I, I imagine will for a long time in the future as well. And that's a great point about being uh, a continuing struggle. Um, say a little bit more about what it means uh, for you, uh, how you spend your time. I spend my time uh, very intentionally. I have to be an active leader in how I choose to spend my time and be, make active choices. I think for most of us, we spend Uh, many of our days making lots and lots of decisions about where we're orienting our time. Are we clear on our priorities? Are we spending our time in the right ways, given all the things that we could be doing and whether it's between our professional lives as well as our home lives? And there's often a blending of the two. Um, So I spend Mm. a lot of time just trying to be very clear on how I'm spending my time to make sure I'm getting the balance, you know, approximately right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and Brian, you call yourself a recovering perfectionist. I, I, I kind of feel like I am in some ways as well, and I know many people who call themselves the same. So why is perfectionism a potential derailer for leaders? And how have you learned to recover or manage your perfectionism? 
Yeah. As a recovering perfectionist, I would let myself get my own way instead of focusing on where the bar really needs to be. Uh, over time, I've come to understand that lowering the bar in many cases might be preferred because that's where it actually needs to be. And raising it actually can be a waste of time and resources. And sometimes I still find myself trying to achieve perfection, but it can be a bit of a fool's errand if you get mm. too carried away. Yeah, I, I think that's that's true. I mean, because perfect sounds really great, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds perfect. So why is that a bad thing? Um, but yeah, so can you say a little bit more about how you manage it? How do you manage or say recover from it? Yeah. Well, and trying to be perfect in everything, Grace, to your point, is is tough. So it's understanding where you need to lean in to be great and where it's okay to be good enough. And oftentimes the good enough is just great. Um, so I think there are two derailers, and there's probably more, but there are two that I that really stand out to me. Number one, if I don't manage my perfectionist tendencies and how I spend my time, then it can get in the way of my growth. There is an opportunity mm. cost associated with not mm -hmm. managing your time. So for example, I could have spent that time on a higher priority item, maybe expanding my skill set, or enjoying a glass of wine with my husband, or how about more sleep? Um, how we spend mm -hmm. our time and what we prioritize is fundamental to our lives and our success as individuals and humans, however you define it. And it is really important. And there's a famous quote that says, the way we spend our time defines who we are. And that's credited to Jonathan Estrin. And you have to make decisions mm -hmm. on how you spend your time. And, and as I said, making an active choice. And mm -hmm. I think women in particular get caught up in it. And it's sometimes in our heads around what's really good enough. And oftentimes, it's less than we think. We hold ourselves to a very high bar. And so I have to recalibrate how I'm spending my time to make sure it's on the high priority, high impact stuff. Mm. Yeah, that's a good call out. I know a lot of women who tend to put a disproportionate burden on themselves to just be perfect, you know, perfect at work and home. And it, it feels like a really heavy expectation that society puts on us at times. And I've certainly felt that myself. So it sounds like you've recognize that and and can pay it some extra attention. Um, I think you said two derailers. Um, you mentioned a second one. What? So what? what's the second one that you've been able to manage? A second derailer, I think, is a fear of failure or a fear of disappointing others. And I would over-index on time spent to avoid failing, or worse, maybe it's disappointing someone. And it's mm. OK to take risks. And if you do make a mistake, uh, in the words of Mace and P. Diddy, uh, just breathe, <laughs> stretch, shake, and let it go. Breathe, stretch, shake, and let it go. Great song, words to live by. It's okay to make mistakes. Give yourself permission to let it go, learn from it, and move on. And anytime we're quoting uh, artists and uh, <laughs> rap songs, I, I love it. Um, that's awesome. I think there can be some real great lessons in there. And you know, wondering if you have a specific time that comes to mind when you did this well and um, when you didn't let great stand in the way of good enough. First, thanks for the question, Doug. I'd like to say there are successes every day because there are a hundred things to do each day. And so I'm constantly stretching this muscle. And so I've had to get better, especially as I take on more responsibility at work and at home. There are two examples. Uh, one personal and maybe one professional that I like to share. Both are very recent. 
On the professional side, this is the time of year that as a manager, we're writing our annual performance reviews for our teammates and direct reports. I used to spend hours and hours preparing annual performance reviews. I would agonize over the detail and getting the words just right, and I thought I was doing the right thing. And I've learned that doing PDRs shouldn't be painful and shouldn't sacrifice mm. weekends to get them done. Now I have a process to do them each under an hour. I'm clear in my communication, pithier in the feedback. It's not that I care any less about my team and their performance and growth, if anything, by managing the time and really focusing, my reviews are more focused and I would argue more effective. Hmm. On the, the second example, on the personal front, so we're over one year into COVID quarantine. Uh, I think I'm a bit type A, maybe that's uh, that could be established. I like things neat and organized. And that being said, I have three young kids and we also fell into the camp of getting a COVID puppy. My husband and I are working full time <laughs> wow. from home. I know. What oh were we gosh. thinking? So needless to say, it's a bit chaotic yeah. and my house gets disorganized very easily. So I've discovered that in order to maintain my sanity, I've had to loosen my standards. I need my energy and attention focused on more important things like actually spending time with my kids versus nagging them or doing it all myself. I've had to let go and it's okay. I built this standard in my head that no one else is striving for, and it's really not that important. So I refocus on what matters and how much time should be dedicated to it. And sometimes just putting things like toys in a pile to have some semblance of neat is good mm -hmm. enough. Okay, so here comes the most important question of this episode, Briah, which is what kind of puppy did you get? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a bit obscure. It's called a mountain cur, C-U-R. Uh, we had a bit of a, uh, some criteria we wanted to meet. And I do have a young kiddo who's three years old, my youngest. And so Aww. that sort of put us out of the running for a more mature puppy, a more mature dog, um, because mm -hmm. many, um, uh, you know, adopted uh candidate puppies uh, or dogs just mm -hmm. were not available or an option for us. So we chose mm -hmm. to go with uh, a family dog who was hyperallergenic because I am allergic, yeah. um, was a good family dog, and one who liked to spend a lot of time outside and go hiking with us. So we sort of narrowed in oh, on fun. her. And she is right, very well, you can't tell high energy. You cannot tell my kids because they have been pressuring me like crazy during COVID. So... Um, yes. we're, we're just going to keep that between us. How about that? <laughs> but I <laughs> do want to see a photo later. So let's put that on the list. Let's, well, I will do that. Excellent. Well, Briah, thanks for telling us some ways in which you've succeeded. Per, in, an example like personal and professional of not letting great stand in the way of good enough. I, I'd love to pivot now to a time that you can reflect upon where you didn't do it well. You know, when, when did you let great stand in the way of good enough? And what did you learn from that experience? I really believe in learning from my mistakes, and I think there was a pivotal example that I remember so clearly, although it happened a long time ago. Uh, it was earlier in my career. I was working on a new project. It had broad visibility across the entire organization, and I needed to send an email to provide an update to some senior leaders. And I agonized over getting the words just right, and really it was just a simple thing. And I knew all the content. I knew what to say. I had to get it right, and in my mind, it had to be perfect. It was just an email, and I made it into this big mm. thing. It consumed my day, and then I finally sent it, and as soon as I did, I sort of fretted, did I get the words just right? And mm. was it clear enough? 
And I pondered, do I recall the message? Do I do a follow-up or do I just let it go? I decided to see if anyone reached out first to see if they had questions and just held off. But it did keep uh, ruminating in my head. And mm. you know what? No one brought it up as an issue. It wasn't career ending. So I spent way too much time creating this email and too much energy on it overall. And it was just needed to be good enough. It was a good lesson. And I think what put a finer point on it was I told some friends from work about the situation a day or two later, and they just looked at me and said effectively that I needed to recalibrate. Either I had too much time on my hands, which in my mind didn't seem to be true, or I was just spending my time in the wrong areas. And it is good to have friends to keep you in check, to keep you honest about tendencies to overthink things and provide affirmation of when good is enough. The lesson learned was for me to time block something, force myself to prioritize what I should spend my time on and know when to mm. let something go and just draw the line. And emails really should only take a few minutes, right? <laughs> right. What a great what a great example. I I can appreciate that. I know I've spent way too much time agon agonizing over an email mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. or even stumbling in this. One of the things that's emerged for me as a place where I stumbled around perfectionism and letting great stand in the way of good enough is really pushing myself to question whether I was pushing for greatness or I was pushing, like, was I pushing for the perfect way or was I pushing for Doug's way? Mm. <laughs> that's another, like, interesting thing that's woven Isn't in there the for same? me Doug, around. Is it the same? I mean, <laughs> I was just. <laughs> you know me too well. You know me too well, Grace. But how I can get oriented that my way is the perfect way and it should be done my way versus letting go of that control and letting it be good enough the way that um, the team around me is wanting to do it and showing up, which has uh, been, a, been a huge place of lesson and growth for me. Um, so as we and and, you know, this is leading right into this next question around um, how do you lead others to overcome perfectionism and not let great stand in the way of good enough? It's a great question. And I am my alert and radar is is very high on this because I want to help others uh, not make some of the mistakes I did and to really maximize their potential and growth by spending their time in the right areas. And that is just so important. So I think a couple things that I try to help teammates with when I see this in them. Number one, are you clear on your priorities? Number two, how much time are you spending on things? Is it a bit out of hand? Are you time blocking? Mm -hmm. And if I can help by giving them some estimate of how long, you know, when I want to see the next iteration of something and maybe give two days instead of two weeks so that uh, they sort of get a sense for just uh, how to manage that a little bit better. And then number three is getting into the heart a little bit, which is sometimes uh, when folks are striving for perfectionism, it's because of confidence. They don't know that they are good enough and you get to own your swagger, you should be, you are good enough, and what you're producing is really good. So have confidence in your abilities, have confidence in your work product, but own it and make sure you're doing high quality work, but don't let it drag on. Don't keep tinkering and really uh, deliver a great product that you're proud of um, in a reasonable amount of time. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, Briah, we are at the end of our episode today, and we end our episodes the same way every time. We'd love to hear you narrow down to one practical tip that you would give our listeners to try right away in managing capacity by not letting great stand in the way of good enough. What would your one tip be? One practical tip is to time block your calendar for activities and deliverables and then just stay focused on being great when you need to and good enough for everything else. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much, Briah, for, for joining us today. What wonderful tips and a great discussion. Thank you so much. Thank you, Briah. Thank you both. It was fun. Thanks for the time. That was a fun discussion with Briah. I loved her tip at the end to block tasks on your calendar and hold yourself accountable to the time. Yeah, completely agree, Doug. I love that tip. And um, as a recovering perfectionist myself, I I certainly need to to, uh, use that tip and remember it. And speaking of tips, it is my turn to follow up on the tip from our last episode with Spencer Westcott on leading with mental health. His tip was to crush the stigma and be vulnerable and share. And Doug, this is something I I have tried to do quite a bit here, especially in the last year, I think, with COVID and and such, um, I felt for me personally, a greater need for me to take care of my mental health. And I think something recent that I that I can share that I did to apply his tip is, you know, um, my family and I are currently uh, dealing with some medical things that I know that we've talked about. And it's been really hard. It's been hard for me to yeah. process and for my family. And I think what I have found so freeing and so positive for my mental health is just being able to share that with my team at work. And it's not that like it's an overshare kind of thing, but just, gosh, this is this is a big deal and I want to be able to talk about it and I want people to understand what might be going on for me that day. And that has been one of the greatest support um, systems and greatest ways for me to take care of my mental health. So I certainly hope that other people will apply Spencer's tip and just be willing to be vulnerable and share because it can have such positive impact that you may not even realize until you've done it. Really grateful that you're you're sharing that, Grace. Uh, I found myself this weekend talking to my server in a restaurant about mental health. Like it's just something yeah. that I think we can talk more about. It's okay to talk about this stuff. And uh, Mm -hmm. so uh, great, great example. And I just wish you the best, you and your family, the best. My heart's with you. And as I'm sure many of our listeners' hearts are with you and just really appreciate you and all that you've brought. So thank you. And thank you for being willing to share. Um, And for our listeners, we'd love to hear your stories and tips as well. So please check out our show notes and click on that listener mail link to find out more about submitting your stories and tips in writing or through a voice message. And if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please check that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you enjoy these podcasts, please do remember to rate us on iTunes or click on the survey link in our show notes. Tell us how we're doing. One for all. And all for one.